Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church Podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone, and today we are in week six of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today I'm going to be talking to you, discussing with you questions 16, 17, 18, and 19. And this week we really get into, or at least we begin to get into, the heart of the gospel. The focus of Heidelberg has shifted from guilt to grace. That that happened last week. And the questions today are going to center around not just the idea of redemption, but the who of redemption. This week's all about Jesus and why God's plan to save us from our sin and misery had to work out the way that it did. So let's jump into Lord's Day 6 and let's look at our first question. Question number 16. Why must he be truly human and truly righteous? Now, let's recap a little bit of what we learned last week. Last week, we learned that God will not punish another creature for what a human is guilty of. Besides, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal anger against sin and release others from it. Now, this whole answer uh, might be a little bit confusing. So let's talk about it for a minute. It appears that Heidelberg might have missed a significant portion of the Old Testament when it says that God will not punish another creature for what a human is guilty of. I mean, Hello, isn't that what the whole of the Old Testament sacrificial system was about? Now, this catechism, let's just back up for a second and try to get some context. This catechism was originally written in German. So it may be that something was lost in translation. But the gist of this statement is that the punishment that man deserves will not be satisfied ultimately by any mere creature. And that word mere is really important. The sacrificial system was insufficient to completely remove man's guilt because as a mere creature, the animals couldn't provide an adequate substitute. And so that's that's the answer to one of the questions from last week. And, and then the next question followed. Well, if that's the case, if no mere creature can receive our punishment in a way that satisfies the wrath of God, then what kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for? And the answer is, one who is truly human and truly righteous, yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, one who is also true God. Now, that's where we pick up this week with question number 16. We just asked that question, what kind of mediator do we need? We need one that is both truly man, truly righteous, and truly God. So then question number 16 comes about why our mediator must meet all those criteria. Why must our mediator and deliverer by, by be truly human and truly righteous? And here's the answer to number 16. Because God's justice demands that human nature, which has sinned, must pay for its sin. But a sinner could never pay for others. So here's what Heidelberg is helping us understand. Within the economy of God, it is only just that a man, that is one with a human nature, must pay for man's sin. And there comes in some of the logic of the previous question. But there's a problem with this logic. The problem is that as a mere man, we are sinful beyond measure. We couldn't hope to pay the price for our own sins, much, much less to pay the price for the sins of another. The justice of salvation makes it impossible for man to save himself or for a mere man to save another man. 
But what is impossible for man is possible with God. In fact, all things are possible with God. There is nothing our God cannot do. And we need one who is fully man, but also something more. He must also be truly God. So that's where question 17 comes in. Why must he also be true God? And the answer is this, so that by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity and earn for us and restore to us righteousness and life. Now, I love the way this question is answered, but maybe we need to dig a little deeper into some of the theological truths that are hidden in this particular phrase. There are two, really, massive Christian truths that these questions are trying to help us understand. And they are the the truth of the incarnation of Christ, where the Son of God became a man, took upon himself human flesh, though he did not abandon his divine nature. And so we're looking at incarnation. And the second one is propitiation. Okay, so let's talk about this. In order to save God's people from our sin, our Savior would need to take on flesh and blood. In order to satisfy the demands of divine justice for His people, our Savior would also need to become like those people, and that is what Jesus did. The eternal Son of God, begotten, not made, He's not part of the created order, He took on human nature and was born in flesh and blood. Now, J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, he, he wants to help us understand just how astonishing this truth really is. He says this, The supreme mystery with which the gospel confronts us is really found in the Christmas message of incarnation. The truly staggering Christian claim is that Jesus of Nazareth was God-made man. That is, the second person of the Godhead became the second Adam determining human destiny, the second representative head of the race, and that he took humanity without loss of deity so that Jesus of Nazareth was as truly and fully divine as he was human. He goes on, the word became flesh, God became man, the divine son became a Jew, the almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. Now, this is something we celebrate year after year after year, and we don't fully understand all of this truth, but this is the the staggering claim. And the question that I want to ask is why? Why is it necessary for the Savior of mankind to be human and divine? Well, he must be fully human because God's justice demands that human nature, which has sin, must pay for its sin. But one human sinner could never pay for the sins of others. Therefore, he must be fully God so that by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's anger and earn for us and restore us to righteousness in life. The Heidelberg answers to these questions are, are beautiful. And it reminds us that what we celebrate at Christmas is not just a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling rags, but the Son of God wrapped in flesh, plunging headlong into humanity in order to bring eternal life to rebels. He stripped himself of the robes of his eternal glory and he covered himself with the rags of our humanity. And this was the only way that Jesus could be a suitable mediator 
and Redeemer, the only way that he could be a suitable substitute for the sins of his people. Now that brings us to question number 18. Right? Well, to this point, Heidelberg hasn't given us the name. He's just been talking to us about all the things that are necessary within the economy of God. And and here comes the question, who is this mediator? Who is the mediator who is both true God and at the same time true man and true, truly righteous? And the answer is our Lord Jesus Christ, who was given us to set us completely free and to make us right with God. Okay, another question. How? How does he set us completely free, and make us right with God. We know what he needed to be. He needed to be fully God and truly man. He needed to be truly righteous. And the Bible tells us that he was tempted in every way as we are, yet he was without sin. He was righteous as it relates to the law. But how? How did he set us free? How did Jesus make us right with God? Now for this, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 2, and then I'll give a little explanation. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, we read this. Therefore, he, that is Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So he had to become man. He had to be like us. He had to endure the, the flesh so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now there's that word again, propitiation. The way Jesus destroyed the power of death was that he died. And through his death, he broke death's hold upon God's people. Jesus went to the cross. He took his uh, pure godliness and he took his true humanness and he took his righteousness and he went to the cross. The pure and spotless Lamb of God gave his life as a sacrifice on the altar of atonement. But his death would not pay the penalty and the payment for his own sin because he had no sin. It was payment for our sin. The Bible tells us that he bore our sins and our guilt on the cross. It was our punishment that fell upon him and he took it away from us forever. And so in his death, Jesus satisfied God's justice toward all those who believe. He took upon his in his flesh, the due penalty for the sins of all those who believe. He atoned for them. And that's what propitiation means. It means that the righteous anger of God is gone from us because it was received by Christ and we no longer face it. In fact, because of the gospel, we no longer fear death. And we can sing songs like this, Man of Sorrows, what a name, for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. He bore our shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, helpless we Spotless Lamb of God was He. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Lifted up was He to die. It is finished was His cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. You see, the death of Jesus has transformed death for the Christian. To the unbeliever, death means judgment, but to the Christian, it means blessing. To the unbeliever, death is bondage, but to the Christian, it is liberation. For the believer, death cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ, but rather it brings us into the very presence of the one who loved us, the very presence of the true God-man, the very presence of our righteous mediator and Savior. Jesus has made us free. 
And he has made us right with God by his work on the cross. Now, here's the final question for this week, at least. Question number 19. How do you come to know this? The answer, the Holy Gospel tells me. God himself began to reveal the gospel already in paradise. Later, he proclaimed it by the holy patriarchs and prophets and portrayed it by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. Finally, he fulfilled it through his own dear son. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. He sent forth a man born in the likeness of man to redeem us from the law. This is what Galatians tells us. And there is no more important truth for us to know than this truth, this truth of the love of God revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the central message of the Christian faith. It is the truth that we are called to believe. It's the truth that we are called to proclaim to the world. And it is the truth that we as the people of God celebrate every time we gather together in worship. The gospel is not a system of actions that we must obey in order to be saved. The gospel is a living message that the Apostle Paul says is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. The gospel is the good news that though we are incapable of saving ourselves from our sin, Jesus Christ, fully God, truly man, stepped in to free us from our sin by dying to pay our ransom and being raised to claim victory over Satan, sin, and death. This is the gospel. Now, if you are a Christian, it's because you have believed this gospel message, and you love it. I love this gospel message, but more than that, I love the one who died to make this message good news. I hope that you can say that as well. Thanks for joining me today for this installment of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. I hope you'll join me again next week as we look at Lord's Day 7 together, and we discuss questions 20 through 23. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at cbcwiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you for listening.